following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, let's turn our attention to the Gospel of Luke this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 12, um, verses 22 through 31, um, which is page, page 871 in the few Bibles. Um, there's a couple of things I want to do before we get started. Um, I I appreciate that uh, prayers have been raised for Israel. I think it's very important for us to understand um, that we don't understand exactly what's going on in Israel, and it's very difficult for us to imagine what it is to be in the midst of a holy war. Um, we as Americans don't experience that. Our, our idea of persecution versus the reality of persecution um, in Israel is very, very different. Um, and so in thinking about, um, I, I know that it's, it's tempting to turn to the end of the book and, and try to line things up. I remember when the first Gulf War happened, and this is all happening in the Tigris and Euphrates River and Saddam Hussein, and this could be it. It wasn't. However, and I don't know if this is it or not, and I, the, what matters is how do we respond as Christians? Um, what should we do? We should pray, we should trust, and we should tell people about Jesus. If tomorrow is the end, are you satisfied with the number of people you've told how to be on the right side of the end? People need to know Jesus. Right. And this whole conflict is all about um, Jerusalem. It's all about control of the temple. Um, And so we can pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But we can also know that there is work for us to do as Christians beyond just watching the TV and shaking in fear. Um, And that is to pray and to spread the gospel. Um, So uh, that's. That's my thoughts on that. Um, so before we read our text for this morning in Luke 12, I want to read uh, first two others, which I think this is totally not coincidental at all, although not planned by me. Um, the uh, first of two texts is Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and the second is 1 Peter 5, 7, and then we'll go into Luke. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then 1 Peter 5, 7 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So now let's consider Luke 12, starting at verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, 
they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much, of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> father, as we turn our attention to your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would speak. That your words would flow through me to us, your people. Give us uh, receptive hearts, open ears, open eyes, to hear your voice, to see your hand. And empower us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust you more. May we cast all our cares on you because you care for us. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So, why these three texts? Um, simply because any time a theme is repeated in Scripture means it's pretty important. And it's a theme we need to wrestle with. Especially me. So, welcome to my talk to myself. So what's the theme? Worry. Anxiety. Um, you know how much I like to do keyword studies. So here is our, here's our keyword, worry or anxiety, depending on your translation. It means the same thing. So let's get a good handle on what this concept of worrying or anxiety really is. The Greek word means to have anxious concern based on the apprehension of possible danger or misfortune. The word literally means to divide or tear apart. And our English word worry comes from an Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, But if you think about it for just a minute, this is exactly what worry does. It divides our thoughts, divides our hearts, it divides our trust, right? And it strangles it. It strangles our trust in the Lord. Because what are we trying to do but control everything? Right? So, welcome to the inside of my brain. Here we are. Worry, at its core... is self-centered. It is self-concern for the future, a desire for control based in one thing, and that is a lack of trust in the Lord. 
I want you to look um, very closely at verse 22, all right? And uh, depending on your trans, or your uh, version, your paper copy of the Bible, you won't see it up here. But you'll notice um, that those words are written in red. That's kind of a big deal. This is the Lord Jesus. Verse 22, and he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Stop. Um, so just a quick quiz. If when Jesus tells us to do something and we don't do it, what's that called? Sin. Yeah. Okay. And so when he tells us not to do something, and we still do it, what do we call that? Sin. Okay? Just, I know. I just want to get on the same page here. Um, Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life. And so when we are anxious about our life, sin. Right? When Jesus tells us, Paul tells us, Peter tells us not to worry. Okay, so first of all, I want to be clear. The words in red are actually no more important than the words in black because Jesus said the words in red and the Holy Spirit said the words in black. And as we have uh, read here, they are co-equal. They are both God. So the word is the word all the way through, right? So Jesus tells us, And the Holy Spirit tells us through Paul and Peter not to worry and not to be anxious. And we still do it. Just to be clear, what's that called? Sin. Okay. Just want to be clear. And I also want to be clear, I don't like that. And it also doesn't matter whether I like it or not. It's still sin. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Now, let me ask you, does this mean we no longer have to care about anything? The opposite of worry and anxiety is clearly apathy. Well, I don't care what you think. That was, sorry, that was apathy. That was just a joke. You wouldn't have to say it was a joke. <laughs> Leave it out. For, okay. <clears throat> Moving on. Calvin wrote, if we give proper attention to the words of Christ, we shall find that he does, does not forbid every kind of care, but only what arises from distrust. All right? That oppressive care, that anxious um, just churning which springs from unbelieving doubts. That's what Jesus is condemning here. You know the modern word for this? It just um, just revealed to me yesterday. Like people still use the word worry, and we use anxiety, and though we say anxiety, we mean a totally different thing, I think, but I'm not positive. Um, the word is overthinking. You're familiar with that expression? Overthinking. Same thing. Right? The truth is that by worrying, by being anxious, by overthinking about our lives, 
we communicate something to the Lord. And what we communicate is that we think we are or should be in control. And that the circumstances that we are concerned about would be better if the Lord would just leave us alone and have, let us have our way. If, Lord, if you would just do what, I'm, what I want, everything will be better. <laughs> Good luck. Right? Just give me the thing. Let me have the stuff. Everything will be fine. What's missing in this type of thinking is perspective. Putting worldly pursuits before the kingdom, seeking the good of the body but not of the soul, seeking provision for this life but not for the next, is all based on selfishness, pride, and distrust of our Father. I just want you to know, All of this tastes bad in my mouth. Verse 23 says, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Uh, Just in a, a... Previous few verses, Jesus made reference to, to birds, and he said sparrows are sold two for a penny or five for a dollar or whatever it was, right? And you're, you're worth more than many sparrows. Now he uses ravens. There's a big difference between ravens and sparrows, not just in size and appearance. Sparrows were sold for money. Ravens are absolutely worthless. They're not just worthless. In the Jewish culture, they're also unclean because they're scavengers, Right? And ravens just naturally, when they're born, are abandoned by their parents. They're just left. And they have to figure it out on their own. Okay? Now, think about God's treatment of unclean, worthless birds, scavengers, gross. They get fed. You're worth more than that. You're worth more than them. R.C. Sproul wrote, If we think food or clothing are the essence of life, we have missed the kingdom of God. If we think food or clothing is the essence of life, we have missed the kingdom of God. Does our reception into the arms of Christ have anything to do with how we dress or whether or not we eat? No. No, but that's what we chase after. Martin Luther wrote, you turn it exactly round. Food is meant to serve life, but instead life serves food. Clothes are to serve the body, but the body must serve clothing. And so blind is this world that it doesn't see this. This is the pattern of the world. This is what people who don't know and trust Jesus do on their own naturally. They don't trust God. They don't think they need God. They deny God's existence and just chase after the things that think will make them happy. We're not supposed to be like that. 
Verse 25 says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And if you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if, so, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world think, seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Just like the parable from last week, the trouble in this passage has the same source. Last week, it was greed. This week, it's worry. And the source is exactly the same. It comes from a lack of trust in God. Do you know what we are communicating to God when we worry? We are communicating to God. We are accusing him of not being trustworthy. We're saying, I can do it better. He knows we need food and clothes. He knows we need the things, right? But when we worry, when we overthink, when we stress about these things, we are communicating that he is not trustworthy. This is, this is self-centered at its core, really, when you think about it. We have to understand that we must not believe that we can secure our lives by worrying. We are not improving anything. It won't add a single hour to our life. It can't add an inch to our height. It will rob us of joy, and it threatens our relationship with God our Father. If you think about it, If you think about it, it threatens our claim that Jesus is Lord. The Father knows what we need to live. He knows that we need food and we need clothes. He feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers. And you, his children, are worth more than them. He is going to take care of you. He is going to take care of us, whether we stress about it or not. Verse 30 says that the nations of the world seeks after these things. That means unbelievers, just to be clear. That's the unbelievers of the world. The theological dictionary of the New Testament says, the believer is thus released from anxious concern or worrying, for his existence is an eschatological existence. Say it with confidence. I'll explain it in a minute. This will be shown whether in conflict with the hostile world, he can rest, not on the strength of his own calculations, but wholly on the spirit given to him from the world to come. What does it mean that our life is an eschatological experience? Does anybody know what eschatology is? How we know what we know? No, that's epistemology. Close. How did you know that? Because of epistemology. 
Um, so Waylon actually brought up eschatology earlier. Did you know that? You're an, you're an eschatologist? <laughs> you're asking the same question as everybody else. Eschatology is the study of the end times. It's the study of the future. Right? When we read the end of the book, it's eschatology. We need to understand that this world, this life is transient. We are on our way through. This is not home. Right? We are on our way to the kingdom of God. God's eternal kingdom. And so when we get wrapped up in all of this stuff, it's like caring about what magazines are in the doctor's office waiting room. Who cares? Don't touch them. You're in a doctor's office. Sick people read those, right? That's, but that's, I, we're laughing, but that's exactly what we're doing. Oh, I got to do the thing and I, I've got so much on my list to do and I, I can't do it all. And uh, so I'm going to take a nap. That's, that's my strategy. So I'm going to sit down and, and watch the news for a while because that'll calm me down. Right? It's exactly what we do because we do live an eschatological experience. We are on our way to something better. And what happens here, our only responsibility is to tell people about Jesus so they can join us in the next to join us in God's eternal kingdom, right? So we don't need to stress about it here. The stuff that we're bothered about, think about it for a minute. That back hallway is still yellow. Who cares? Who cares? But it doesn't matter. That's the important part. It doesn't matter. In the, in the long scheme of things, it does not matter. What matters is that people hear the truth that Jesus loves them and died for them and that by faith in him, their sins can be forgiven. They get adopted by God, wrapped up into this crazy family, and we get heaven to look forward to. That's the point. That's what to do instead of worry and anxiety. The unbelievers of this world don't have that same spirit. They don't have the same resource. They aren't going to understand how believers can sleep at night with all that's going on. And I think right now on the world stage, we have an opportunity to prove our trust in God. What about, what about, what about? Is this the end? What if it is? How will your life change? What will you do different? I'll make sure I'll get all the stuff on my check checklist done. You know, don't forget the eggs and the milk on the way home from work. I don't think that's it. <laughs> we, can, we can rest knowing that God is sovereign over the Middle East. We can rest knowing that God is sovereign over the United States of America. We can rest knowing that God is sovereign over our, our political system and our, and our local traffic. This, is, this may be the most important part of this whole thing. It's not to show unbelievers that Christians don't worry. Oh, my friend is so wound up about this thing. And, and I talk to him and say, you should be like me. I'm a Christian. I don't worry about anything. 
right? Except for lying, right? <laughs> you ought to be worried about that, right? It's, we're, we're not to show that those that know Jesus, that Christians n- never worry about anything or we don't struggle with anxiety. Those that know me well know I struggle mightily with anxiety, right? But it's the conscious choice of trusting in the Lordship of Christ over our lives that gives us the strength to endure, that will make that anxiety subside. People need to know that there is peace available through faith in Jesus. Verse 29 says, And do not seek what you are to drink and what you are to eat, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Matthew says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. There are some in the church that say, that means if you seek God's kingdom, he's going to bless you with an overabundance of Cadillacs or maybe a Porsche. He's going to, if you seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, you're going to get all the stuff you're believing for. It's not true. You're right. That's total garbage. We are not promised those things. That is not what Jesus is saying. Seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Meaning you do, freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety. You don't need to worry about food and clothes and that sort of stuff. God has he's got you. He's taking care of it already. Look at your closet. You have more than enough. Look at my closet. I have more than enough for all of you. Make the lordship of Jesus over your life your first concern, and your anxiety about life will begin to wither away. I have to admit, when, when I'm anxious and I can't even explain the feeling. My first thought is that Jesus is Lord over this. Jesus is in control and I don't need to I don't need to stress about this. All I can hear is my shoulders in my ears. I don't have breathing exercises for you. I don't have advice on how to make that go away other than to recognize that Jesus is Lord, and he's got it under control. When we're faced with worry or anxiety, let's train ourselves to examine ourselves in that moment. When you're feeling that way, when you're worried about something, when you're anxious about something, ask yourself the question, where is my heart right now? Where is my heart? Are you seeking to control what can't be controlled, at least by you? Are you trusting in the lordship of Jesus? Are you trusting the Father with your needs? Is what you're worried about even a need? For me, it's usually not. Maybe it's just a want. Maybe we're only focusing on our our own good. We have to train ourselves to ask these questions. Is this about me? Is this about what I want? 
versus what I need, what my family needs, what my neighbors might need, what my church family might need, or just about what I want. Are you focusing on your own good or the good of others? Where's your heart? As Corey Tenboom put it, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's asking God for things, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we're faced with that worry, when we're faced with that anxiety, that tendency to overthink, stop. Think about where is my heart and pray. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now's the hard part. Do it. Let's ask the Lord for help. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are trustworthy. We thank you that Jesus is Lord over all the things that worry us. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness when we communicate to you that we don't trust you because we're worried, because we're anxious about things. Lord, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that in those moments you would remind us to examine our hearts to examine our trust, to remind us that we can lay all of those things down at your feet because you've already got them for us. We love you, Lord. This life is hard. Our natural tendencies are hard to overcome and we can't do it without your help. So, Lord, we pray that you would ease our anxieties, ease our worry, increase our trust so that our neighbors and our friends that don't know Jesus can see that God is in control and he is trustworthy and reliable that they might, too, have peace through faith in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.